Hello, everybody. How are you? I'm Pastor Mike, and uh, today we're going to be talking about healing. Um, that particular uh, scene is from The Chosen. Um, and Crystal, can you put up the verse, please? So that comes straight out of um, the Bible. And when you're looking at that particular scene, you can see the person that's jotting down notes. In the show, that's actually John. And so if you turn to your Bible, uh, John 5, 1, we're going to go through that same verse that you just saw. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic, Aramaic is called Bethsaida, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number, number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. One who had been there, uh, an invalid, for 38 years. That's a gentleman that was in the video. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid re replied, I have no one to help me into the pool and when the water is stirred, hold on. When the water is stirred while I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. How many times have you been that gentleman in the video? Who are you? Jesus comes to you and goes, do you want to be healed? Who are you? Jesus is standing in front of you. And you go, who are you? Will you take me to the water? No, Jesus tells him. Look, I'm having a really bad day. Right? <laughs> You've been having a bad day for a long time. Sir, I have no one to help me into the water. And then when it's stirred up and when I do close, the other step in front of me. How many times do you feel that that healing is there for you, but you want to blame other people for your healing not coming? For 38 years, people are jumping in front of me. No one's there to help me. And the part in that video, I think that is the, the most profound, is you don't need that pool. There's nothing in that pool for you. All you need is me. Everyone say that. All you need is me. But guess what? We've been involved for the past two and a half years in a global pandemic. A lot of things have been happening. I think it was March 2020 is when everything started shutting down. And we, our faith took a hit. We started looking towards other things, things that would maybe help us, things that would make us feel better, things where the whole world seemed to be falling apart, and we're like, I'm going to look to something else. I'm going to look to the pool. I'm going to go look. I'm going to go to that pool because that's a flashy pool. It's bubbling up. Everyone's running to the pool, and Jesus is right there, going, "All you need is me." But yet, we're still going. We're going, look, there's other things. 
whether it's a vaccine, whether it's a conspiracy theory, whether it's the internet, whether it's binging shows on Netflix, binging shows on Hulu. Someone said who to Netflix. Don't worry, we're going to have a second altar call and you can come up later and we'll, we'll pray that out of you. Um, all, was that you, Greg? No. no? Okay, I just wanted to make sure. I didn't think so. I think I knew who it was, but, um, but all you need is him. The whole time, he's the same God today that he was back thousands of years ago. When he created the universe, he's the same God. And he's standing there while you're binging Netflix, while you're looking up conspiracy theories. All you need is me. And eventually, you're going to turn back to him. But we're human. We're it's in our nature to seek other things. I mean, look at original sin. We literally, you know, literally the first humans on this planet literally went to the pool, went to the opposite direction. When he's right there, all you need is me, and you're like, I'm going to eat this piece of fruit. <laughs> so all of these little things that the pool whether it's whatever, and it could be different things in your life. It could be, and we're going to talk about a few of them, uh, but these things that kind of inhibit your faith, that inhibit your healing, the, uh, it changes your identity. It's going to kind of twist your identity a little. And what's interesting is in the Old Testament, the prophet Isaiah warned us about this exact moment in time. So Crystal, if you could uh, pull up Isaiah and we're going to look at 8, 1, 8, 11. By the way, none of these scriptures are on your little handout. That's coming later. So um, the nice thing is we'll only be here till like 3 or 4 o'clock today. So it'll get a lot cooler as the day progresses. Hey, I didn't hear anyone go like, oh, that's... So I think we're going to do it. Thanks, Michelle. We'll see you here till 4. So Isaiah... 8.11 says, this is what the Lord says to me with his strong hand upon me, warning me not to follow the way of this people. And it says, do not call conspiracy everything this people calls a conspiracy. Do not fear what they fear and do not dread it. Like, are you kidding me? This is like right now. The Lord Almighty is the one you are to regard as holy. He is the one you are to fear he is the one you are to dread. He will be a holy place for both Israel and Judah. He will be a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. And for the people of Jerusalem, he will be a trap and a snare. Many of them will stumble. They will fall and be broken. They will be snared and captured. Bind up this testimony of warning and seal up God's instruction among my disciples. I will wait for the Lord, who is hiding his face from the descendants of Jacob. I will put my trust in him. Here I am, and the children of the Lord has given me. We are signs and symbols in Israel from the Lord Almighty who dwells on Mount Zion. When someone tells you to consult mediums and spiritists, someone may say, what is a spiritist? So I looked it up. Um, so I'm probably going to start getting a bunch of emails and notifications about um, 
mediums, mystics, psychics, clairvoyants, shamans, channelers. Those are all definitions of what a spiritist is. I thought someone turned it off. I thought like maybe a shaman was upset. Who whisper and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? Why consult the dead on behalf of the living? Consult God's instruction and the testimony of warning. If anyone does not speak according to this word, they have no light of dawn. Distressed and hungry, they will roam through the land. When they are famished, they will become enraged. And looking upward, will curse their king and their God. Then they will look toward the earth and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom. And they will be thrust into utter darkness. Like a feel-good message, right? <laughs> Sometimes we put our faith in those other things. And most of the time, they seem relatively harmless. They seem, they're even marketed to you maybe as being like harmless. But yet what they do is they get in there and they start to change your identity. Michael Jones said it best. Uh, he talked about it being an identity robber. So these things will get in and start to make you question your faith or put your faith in other things. Think about that man. He had faith. He had been there 38 years, but he wasn't quite sure what he had faith in. You know, when Jesus asked him, like, why are you still here? And he's like, I don't know. He had faith, but he probably had, had probably transitioned his faith into the pool into the magic of the pool. And so there's things that we've turned to in some cases that have become identity robbers. So I asked God this week, hey, shit, like just hit me with some of these things that maybe people are going through or people are struggling with. I actually went to stores. I, I work retail, so if anyone doesn't know, I'm a district manager for uh, company, and I go to a lot of different stores, and I'll go to competitors, and I saw things this week because God showed me, hey, look at this, look at this. These things are being marketed and as a way of just kind of getting in and maybe twisting your faith, chipping away at your faith, getting you, they're that identity robber. You aren't a child of God, you're going to be a metaphysical being. You're going to have a new age philosophy. Um, so these are a few things that I came up with that I want to share because I think that they are inhibiting your ability to receive your healing or just they're blocking God's favor in your life. There's a lot of them, but there was four really that kind of spoke to me. Um, and most of them are in direct relation to healing because we are talking about healing today. That's what your packet is, by the way. We're going to go over that. One would be like alternative medicine or energy healing. In the city of Claremont, you see a lot of this just because we are a city where you kind of see more of that on Foothill. There's a couple different yoga places or hot yoga, um, different type of Eastern type of things. So conservative estimates are that close to 100,000 nurses have been trained to perform the technique called, it's called therapeutic touch, which has found its way into healthcare curriculums of over 80 universities and co colleges. So this therapeutic touch has its kind of roots in Hinduism and Buddhism. 
where there is no belief in a, our God. So with a mind of its own, roughly what this energy healing claims to do is, you know, you're going to target places in the body because it's its own entity, and it's going to go in and target parts of your body that need healing. Um, there's a, another word called Reiki, which can be loosely translated in Japanese to mean God's life force energy. That's God with a lower G because, again, Buddhists and Hindus don't believe in our God, so then it's like a lowercase g. Um, so these types of things, while they are shown and sold as alternative medicine, they're trying to get you to transfer that big G to a lower G. They're trying to get you to go, don't have your faith in God, in Jesus. Have your faith in the lower G. Because that is what's going to help you. So it pulls you away from there. And again, Jesus is right there going, all you need is me. But it's really cool. It's really neat. I love me, you know, a good Marvel movie when my hands get all, you know, like, Captain Marvel, and she's all glowing and stuff, you know, that's not what we're designed to do. What you just saw there with Jesus going, all you need is me, is what we're truly designed to do. Um, another one is New Age. Uh, New Age beliefs offer an Eastern formula in Western terms, giving us practices such as acupuncture, reflexology, biofeedback, meditation, reincarnation, all which promote the concept that our sources of healing is not from God, but from inner energy or cosmic energy. Again, these things pull you from God. And you start putting your faith in other things. Another one that I thought about was um, Ouija boards. I'm not going to make anyone uh, raise their hand. Um, but do you know where you, who makes Ouija boards? Hasbro. Hasbro, the game company, owns the rights to re Ouija boards. If you go to the store, do you know where you're going to find to buy them? In the kids' game section. Now, and then tarot cards as well. If you go online, you can actually buy Christian tarot cards right now, too. So... These are marketed, again, as ways to go, hey, look, here's the pool. Here's something that you can, it's, we're going to help you, but it's pulling you away. I did a little research on Ouija boards. Um, mind you, I worked for seven and a half years at a company where um, this time every year, Halloween, I was at Party City, and I would always, like, I would literally pray over every aisle because we had so much garbage. I can say it now. I don't work there anymore. Um, so much garbage that, the, that was just promoting the enemy. Um, but between 1967 and 1972, 10 million Ouija boards were sold in the United States. So um, if you just kind of take a 10% sales every year, that means we had about 25 million Ouija boards in kind of circulation. Um, what's interesting is they've done studies and shown that about every six years, someone dies due to a Ouija board. It's a game. Now, mind you, 
I've had many of throwdown fights in Monopoly, but no one's got killed. Close. We've had a few close calls, um, but no one's ever got killed. But it's every six years, someone's going to die because of an interaction with a Ouija board. Pretty, you can go to the game aisle and get it. Again, it's not marketed as a tool to pull you from God. It's marketed as a, uh, as a game. I was talking to Pastor Michael, and he was talking about um, someone in his family that had an experience with one, and he said they're trying to contact Elvis, um, and, um, or it was Richie Valens, uh, someone to that nature, and he said they, it started going sideways. The, the, the board started cursing at them, um, and then they tried to burn it. It wouldn't burn. They threw it in the trash, and then it came back. It was like that Twilight Zone episode with that creepy little doll that talks. No matter what they could do, they couldn't get rid of it. So something that seems innocent that's probably sold right next to Monopoly isn't quite so innocent. Um, and then the same thing with tarot cards. Um, there's places at the mall where you can go, and there's whole shops full of tarot cards. Um, five Below. Love me some Five Below. Anyone like Five Below? Couple people, no. It's like 5:55 below right now, so they're liars, just so you know. Um, sorry if you're. Uh, but they have like end caps of tarot cards and crystals and things of that nature, so they're uh, selling these things to your kids because uh, Five Below typically targets tweens. They're selling those things again to try to get you to go, hey, let, let's pull you from the big G to the little g. And then the other one that came to me was astrology and zodiac. I'm, you know, not condemning people if that's something that you've done in your past. Um, but I think that it's important to understand that this is another tactic that the enemy is going to use to try to pull. There's a difference, too, between astronomy and astrology. Um, the magi, when they were studying the stars, they were studying astronomy, and so they saw the star, and that star led them to Jesus. So that, there's a difference between that and astrology, which astrology are constellations that appear in the sky over a calendar year, i.e. the orbit um, around the sun, the Earth's orbit. Signs are historically no rooted in Babylonian astrology, and it's different than astronomy because beyond merely studying the stars, the practice of astrology believes that celestial bodies determine a person's personality and reveal your fate. Kind of like uh, I had said earlier, Pastor Michael had that great term that I'm jacking today. They're identity robbers. You are a Taurus. This is who you are. You are a Pisces. This is who you are. Interesting, Martin Luther, famous German reformist, said, it's interesting because Esau and Jacob, born from the same mom, same dad, same sign, same planetary alignment, they're twins. One came out a few minutes earlier. Jacob grabbed the heel because he's a heel grabber. But yet they're totally different. So how do you define astrology as a real science when those two people who are born under the same 
sign, the same planetary alignment, but they're totally different. Not to mention one is like very furry and hairy, like probably like a Muppet and one's not. <laughs> you have to throw Muppet in a sermon. I'm, I'm winning. So I think it's super important. There's other barriers, by the way, that could get in the way of your healing or your faith or chip away at your faith. Um, politics, the internet, unforgiveness is a huge one. Um, it doesn't... It wasn't one that I really wanted to talk a lot about today because God really spoke to me on these other ones because I literally was seeing these things. Um, and entertainment as well. Again, some of these things, I'm not saying movies are bad, entertainment's bad. Sometimes, though, there are things that are going to twist your faith, change your identity in who you are and who God sees you as. And that's when there's a problem. So um, I thought it was interesting because some of these things actually appear to be good or they're sold as good things. Like, hey, look, you know, these are things that are going to help you, self-help. And I think it's almost like a wolf in a sheep's clothing. And the verse that came up that I was you know, is watch out for false prophets. They will come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Those magic numbers, those lucky numbers in your horoscope are not from God because no one's winning the lotto. <laughs> so, the good news is we serve a faithful God, and no matter what you do, no matter what answers you look for, no matter what pool you try to get into, he's going to go, all you need is me, and here is what God thinks of you. I pulled seven because I figure seven's a really good number. Um, it is like the biblical number of perfection. It also is Gary. Who wears number seven? Do you know? Joe Theismann, right? Joe Theismann, famous Washington quarterback, number seven. Um, there's a lot of good number seven, so I figured I'd go with seven. But it is the biblical number of perfection. So, Crystal, if you could get some of these up. So the world or enemy says, I am scarred. Crystal. Isaiah 53.5, please. There. The world or enemy says, I am scarred, but God says, you are healed. Amen. And this is Isaiah 53.5. This isn't on your notes yet. So, He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds, we are healed. That's what God believes in you. Yeah. That's who you are to him. Number two, the world or enemy says, I am weak, but God says he makes me strong. It is, and this is Psalm 18.32. It is God who arms me with strength and keeps my way secure. When you have this identity, when you believe that this is what God thinks of you, you won't feel weak. You won't feel tired. 
Because this is what he believes in you. Number three, the world or enemy says, I am broken, but God says he makes me whole. Colossians 2.10 says, so you, are also, so you also are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every other ruler and authority. The world or enemy says, I am hopeless, but God says, because of him, I am hopeful. And uh, Jeremiah 29.11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil to give you a hope and future. That's like contradictory to depression right there. When you put your faith in that pool, you're buying into that depression. God has a plan for you. He gives you hope. The world or enemy says, I am worried, anxious, or afraid. But God says, with him, I am peace-filled. John 14, 27 says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So when you think of that anxiety, which is something that you see over and over again in the world. When you're, you know, think back to that uh, scripture in Isaiah we talked about, about that he predicted these are things that you're going to see. You're going to read, there's going to be conspiracy theories. You ingest those. They become part of you. You're going to have anxiety. But God's saying right there, look, you don't need to have that because this is what I think of you. This is who you are to me. All you need is me. Number six, the world or enemy says I am unhappy, but God says I am joyful. I have told you these things so that I may be, you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. And that's John 15, 11. Again, depression. Sports center. I just heard that. I'm just sorry. <laughs> Jesus had an update on a score. Um, and then number seven, the world or enemy says, I am afraid. But God says, I am powerful, loved, and have a sound mind. Second Timothy 1 through 7 says, for God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. So those are seven things, that, and there's way more. But I just picked seven that primarily deal with different ailments that you may be going through. Fear, depression, anxiety. Speak those promises over you. His promises for you. When you're feeling that, I want you to... That's why I played the video. I mean, it's a great video. It's amazing. But I want you to... When you're having that moment, I want you to picture Jesus going, all you need is me. Like... I, you don't need the pool. I don't care why someone is in the way of your healing. I don't care that no one's picking you up or that someone's trampling you. All you need is me. So now, the cool thing is, this is the art of faith, right? 
this is the series we're in. And your faith is a masterpiece. Did you know that? Like your faith is so important to God. It's, it's a masterpiece that he has up. And he never, he never looks at it different. We look at it different. But your faith is truly a masterpiece. I'm not a very artistic person. My kids can probably tell you I'm not someone that draws a lot. I do like to work with my hands and build things. But, uh, you know, when it comes to painting and stuff like that, I usually sit those out. So when um, I was thinking about the art, art of faith, what am I going to teach about? I don't really, you know, I love art, but I'm not really good at it. Uh, and so then I just started thinking, like, your faith is a masterpiece that is painted and that's up in a, his museum. And faith is so important to him, and your faith is so important to your healing, receiving your healing. And so now you have your um, handout. George, can you wave the handout around? Thank you, George. <laughs> You, and you were wondering, why am, why am I sitting in the front row? And that's why. So you thought that you chose to go in the front row. God moved you to the front row. Um, when I saw George come to the front row, I thought, and some of you are going to laugh. I'm going to, uh, the old commercials with Bob Euchre, must be in the front row. You know, so George moved up to the front row today. Um, but there's a, four pages of scriptures, we're going to go through some of them, where it, com it totally talks about faith and its relationship to healing, because they are directly related. And so I sent these to Crystal and Luke, like literally like last night and this morning. So they were like, oh my gosh, we got to get all these in. So um, Crystal, if you can go to Luke 840, through 57, please. So this is one we're going to cover, and it may be blue. I don't know if it's blue on your page or if it's just blue on mine because I had to give them something to go, these are the ones we're going to put up. If it's not, it's Luke 8, 40 through 57. Now what's interesting is there is not, there are very few examples or very few stories in the Bible that are through all four Gospels. There are no he accounts of healing that are in all four, but there's one that's in three. So I'm not saying that's the most important one, but it's actually one of my favorites. So um, it's in three. And I usually go to Mark, but I thought I would change it up a little. And uh, we're going to do it in Luke. And it was because Luke, Luke, are you there? I see Luke's head. It's because I wanted to give Luke some credit, you know. By the way, the, the chosen episode that you saw, Luke actually Lukeifies those, and he actually lightens all of them so that way you can actually see them. So thank you, Luke. So this is, there's two things going on here in this particular healing. Um, and this is, again, it's in everyone but John. Um, this is where Jesus raises a dead girl and heals a sick woman. And so we're going to go through this. Now, when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house, because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. 
stop right there. A synagogue leader is coming to Jesus. The level of faith, because by the way, he's the synagogue leader back in that time. Those were the people that Jesus was saying, no, he was calling them out. Like your rituals, your customs, your law, I'm here to replace that. So like the fact that he's going to Jesus, think about the level of faith that he has to have. He's literally probably having to go, okay, I'm putting this whole life behind me and I'm, I have enough faith in Jesus that I'm going to Jesus for this. Like that's a big deal. It's almost like if the Cowboys and the Washington football team were getting together. And I mean, it's that football season starting. So it's, um, as Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. And a woman was there who had been um, subject to bleeding for 12 years and no one could heal her. Um, other uh, scriptures talk about how she had seen different doctors and really exhausted all of her money to, you know, all of her resources to try to find a cure. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. But when they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me. I know that power has gone out of me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. He then said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. So she must have seen Jesus healing on YouTube, maybe. Maybe she read about it. Your testimony is so important to healing, to faith. Why did she have that level of faith? She didn't see, she heard about it. She didn't see it on the news. She didn't read about it. Literally, she was told about Jesus's miracles and her level of faith. She went through a crowd and got to touch him, just like his hem. And she was instantly healed. And he said, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. While Jesus was still speaking, someone came to the, from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader, and told him, your daughter is dead. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid. Just believe and she will be healed. Just believe faith, right? When he arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, and James, and the child's father and mother, Meanwhile, all the people were waiting, wailing and mourning at her. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She is not dead, but asleep. They laughed at him. Not a good idea to ever laugh at Jesus, by the way. Um, knowing that she was dead. But, once, but he took her by the hand and said, my child, get up. Her spirit returned, and at once she stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Her parents were astonished, but he ordered them not to tell anyone that happened. The faith of a synagogue leader that was just at, like, I have nowhere else to go. 
Crystal, if you can go to Matthew 8, 5. Thank you. Look at that. That's pretty cool. I just got my first uh, timing notice. I'm going to ignore it. Just kidding. Um, the faith of the centurion. So another instance where, and I picked out some where these are people that Jesus was, when the Messiah came, like the order of things were going to get shaken up. So I think it's important to look at these are cases where it doesn't make sense that they have faith in him. Because he is speaking and saying how things are going to be different. So when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, plus my house is a mess. But just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he does, and that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, truly, I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, go, let it be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that moment. The faith of the centurion. He believed. There was quite a few more that you have that all of them are highlighted where it talks about faith. I think it's super important that today we just take that step away from the pool and just go towards Jesus, that faith in him. So the last one we're going to do, can you pull the last one up? Jesus forgives and heals a paralyzed man. Not the, the one with the video, but we're going to do the scripture first. So a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get him through the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat, mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. And you have the last video? 
We have one more video we're going to show you, and then I'll come right back. Jesus of Nazareth! I saw what you did to the leper on the road this morning. My friend has been paralyzed since childhood. He has no hope but you. Please, do for him what you did for the leper. That's a rope! Put it back, man! If you are willing, Rabbi, I know you can do this. your tablet at least. Harry! Is he in danger? I don't know. No, I don't think so. He's got whom in there? Yes. Can you believe we're really here for this? Yes. authority do you teach? Answer me. If you are willing, Rabbi, you know you can't. Hey, I'm talking to you. By whom do you teach? Certainly not the authority of any rabbi from Nazareth. Where did you study? Your faith is beautiful. Son, take heart. Your sins are forgiven. Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Right. But I ask you, which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven, or rise up and walk? easy to say anything, no? But to show you, and so that you may know that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. I say to you, my son, rise. Pick up your bed.
知道是Your faith is beautiful to him. It's so beautiful. I'm going to share. I, I wasn't sure if I was going to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. So you may go like, well, Mike, that's great. In the Bible, there's all these examples of faith and healing. And there's a show that has this, these amazing, touching moments. But like, what about now or what about here? Um, so I'm going to share one testimony. Again, the power of that testimony that that lady heard. Um, was the first year Kim and I did um, a prayer tent for Living Nativity, um, Pastor Josh asked me, hey, do you want to do this? We've never done it before. I said, yeah, let's try it. And it was a complete, I don't want to say dud, but it was like <laughs> people weren't interested in it. They would go through the nativity. They wanted their hot cocoa. They wanted to come in and see the different things. But, you know, not too many people came and asked for prayer. So we just kept going after it and kept going after it. And then it was the last night, the Sunday night, 9 o'clock, a family came. Faith. Their daughter had, uh, they had twins. Their daughter had been diagnosed with a big lump in her leg. It was in the bone, so it's cancer. They all were like, it's cancer. They had nowhere else to go. They had faith. Jesus, all I need is you. They came over right about there, and we prayed for them. We prayed for the daughter. And, um, we felt like something happened, but we thought, okay, that's cool. They never, we'd never seen them at our church before, and that was Sunday. I think Christmas Eve was Wednesday that year. Um, the mom came running in and grabbed Kim and was like, oh my gosh, it's gone. There is nothing. We took her for the MRI. It's gone. That's faith. That's what... God, when you have that faith, that's what his promise is to you, is that that healing, that breakthrough is yours. Because guess what? He's the same now as he was back then. He hasn't changed. We go to the different pools. 
But he's just waiting there going, I am all you need. So right now, we're going to do something. Could I get the band to come up? Almost forgot about the band. We're going to do something kind of different today. You may have come in here and your faith level may have been a little lower. You may have been hanging out at the pool for 38 years. Yeah. <laughs> you may have let the past two, two and a half years get you down, beat on you. You may have started to believe in other things. Well, today, because we serve a God who loves you no matter what. So we're going to invite you up. We're going to play one more song, and we're going to invite you up for prayer again. So if I could get the prayer partners, the elders, pastors to come back up, we're going to offer one more chance to receive your healing. And just know, He is all you need.
All right, so the good news as well, not that we haven't had enough good news today. Um, everyone, hopefully, got their communion elements. And there is healing in faith, absolutely. But there's healing in this. So my amazing wife is going to, maybe...
least he knows my real identity, his amazing wife, right? Amen. At least he knows. <laughs> At least he knows the truth, right? It's not too late, guys. It's not too late. If you had cement poured on your feet and you couldn't move from the seat where you're sitting, but you knew that God had healing for you, you knew that today was your day, it's not too late. God doesn't just hang out where the music is. He doesn't <laughs> just hang out in the church on Sundays. He's with you always, ready for you to reach out to him. Claim your healing in the name of Jesus. Don't ever let what Jesus did on the cross become something that you just talk about occasionally. Make sure you know with passion in your heart the reason that God did that for us. Your healing is available. It's available. And there are some of you in your seats right now that had healing. And if you had healing, even though you didn't come forward, raise your hands. Raise them high because testimony, testimony is beautiful. It's art. And it hangs on the wall for everyone to see. If you look at the front of your bulletin, there's a pair of crutches laying on the ground and a person walking away. That's art. That's the most beautiful art there has ever been. Because that is God restoring and bringing you back to the place heaven planned for you. God gave us this. He gave us his son so that we believe in him and we remember him. And we take communion with him. We will be healed and whole. I always have a hard time opening these. It's funny because I watch Pastor Josh struggle. And because I sit in the front, I try to open them for him so he doesn't struggle like we do, right? I always think I'm going to throw this grape juice all over the front of me. Can you get it? Okay. I got it. But it would be cute, right? It would be a different type of communion. The Lord said, do this in remembrance of me. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. And I, I can hear him in my mind saying, don't ever let what I did become something you don't care about. Become something that you just hear people talk about. Don't ever let what I did for you become a bumper sticker. Don't let it become that. When you think about what I did for you, remember why. So let's all take our communion. Remember what Jesus did for us. Use a little. And this is my blood. Folks, I've been dealing with anemia for the last, I don't know, I'm 44, so 44 years I've been dealing with anemia. But I have so much energy, it makes no sense. And the doctor said to me, how did you drive here? And I said, I got in my car and I turned it on. I don't know. It's just what I've been doing forever. And I was standing up here leading worship last week and I heard God say, is your worship anemic? Jesus gave us his blood. This is the purest blood you will ever know. Let's not allow it. Let's not allow us to be anemic. We are not anemic. We have the power of Jesus. So do this in remembrance of him and never allow your worship or your passion or your love for Jesus to be anemic. Go ahead and take this together, church. Oh.
So have an amazing week, church. When you have that moment that you you that moment this week that we all have where your faith you're going to have a choice. Just remember Jesus is all you need. Have an amazing week. Woo!